Welcome. You've joined The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle's all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And we hope our dialogue opens up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and you deserve it. So, are you ready to be empowered and take control of your own sex life? And of course, kick it up a notch. The first steps include embracing your sexuality and celebrating your sexual pleasure. On today's show, Girl Boner Books, we are going to be exploring August McLaughlin's new books as we discuss where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Mm, I love it. And we're excited to introduce our guest, August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexual writer. She explores women's lives and sexuality like nobody else. She's the fearless sister slash girlfriend that you've always wanted, and she loves to talk about sex. You know, we had August on our show about a year ago, and it was one of our highest rated shows, so we we decided to invite her back, but she actually came to us because she has these new books coming out. But first, August, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle, and tell us what you've been up to in the past year. Thank you so much. I loved chatting with you before. I'm such fans of of your work. I think it's so awesome. I've been really busy. I've been really kind of eyeball deep in Girl Butter books. So I'm happy to come out of my writer's cave and, and chat with you guys. Well, you've got so many things going on in your life, and I got to tell you how honored we are to have you on your show. I'm like one of your biggest fans. I love how compassionate you are when you talk to your guests. Your radio show, Girl Boner Radio, is awesome. And I was like very, very, very happy to read your advanced copy of Girl Boner. In fact, we took it with us on our Alaskan cruise, and I was reading it in front of everyone. They, they were going, what is that? I said, oh, just wait. This is a new book from August. Aww. That means so much to me. It, it, it was going on tour at this sexy, beautiful place and in such beautiful hands. Yes, thank you so much. So listen, I think we should just dive right into it. So first of all, tell us about the book and when it's going to launch, What we can ex- when we can expect to see it on the, the stands. So the main book is called Girl Boner, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment, and it releases on August 7th. And I started the process Years ago, it was one of the first things I had in mind when I knew I wanted to create the Girl Boner platform, and it's been such a journey, and the timing feels really right. Of course, at the beginning, I wanted things to come quickly, and I thought, it's kind of like sex, when you're like, I just want to rush to the end, but sometimes when you savor the process, and you let yourself grow and, and thrive, and things grow in beautiful ways that you didn't even expect. So Girl Boner Radio, my podcast, came along in that time, which as you know, played a big role in the book. So the, uh, the format is similar in that everything with Girl Boner starts with personal narrative. And then I share other people's stories. It has myths debunked and there's some humor, some history. And I really aim to make the sexual empowerment journey a fun one. Even when we get to some of the serious topics, I feel like 
we can we can have a good time while we're learning about this stuff. I think sex ed has a really creepy reputation because we all had weird experiences. I certainly did. Uh, but each chapter has journal prompts because I'm such a fan, obviously, of writing and letting our thoughts out in a way that there is no judgment around it, which is why there's a companion book, Girl Boner Journal, too. And that's to help everybody. Is it, a, is it a book where people will be writing in it or is it a tips and tricks on how to write your journal? Yeah, it is a journal. So there are 52 sections. So for each week of the year, or you can race through quickly, or you can jump around by topic, however you wish to use it. And I wrote an introduction for each chapter. So you get a bit of material. The arc is the same as the main Girl Boner book. So you can use them in tandem, which is kind of fun. And it allows you to take the exercises in the main book deeper and really dive into your sexual empowerment journey in a very personal way. Sounds so exciting. So let's go back to uh, your main book, uh, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment. And why don't you walk us through the book, the uh, chapters, and you know, not how it's laid out, but what each, su- what each chapter has in it for people who are going to read it. Each chapter is based on a topic that I have found to be really resonant with my listeners and my readers who have wonderful guides for this whole process. I learned very early on that if I listen to my audience, they really do share, as I'm sure you have found, what they are hungry for. And so the beginning starts with sex education and talking about kind of our own experiences, what we did learn, what we didn't learn, kind of some of the myths that come up around that and some of the stereotypes around gender and stuff like that. There's a section on birth control. There's a section on sex positions. I love the masturbation solo play chapter. It has like some really creepy history about masturbation. I think there should be a horror film or a thriller <laughs> about that. If anyone wants to like partner with me, I'd be totally in. Um, but um, And then personal narratives, both my own story that I share in ways that I haven't before, that is deeply. And then I feature people of all walks of life who've gone through their own sexual empowerment journey because I think we can learn so much from one another. Now, what I really liked about it is that you are, like you said, very inclusive of everybody. But what you do is you draw people in to feel that they're not alone. And that's the kind of feeling I got when I read some of the things, experiences that you went through as a young girl, which I'm sure myself and many, many, many others have as well, and that you share those experiences. And we don't feel like, oh, those were so bad or that they were there certainly lessens the pain when you think back at that. So I loved how you, you were able to pull those people in and tell them that you were like that also. I'm so happy to hear that you took that away from it. It's it's one of my biggest missions probably because of the fact that almost every question I hear from a listener or a reader or somebody I meet at a conference, at the heart of it is, am I normal? Am I okay? Am I in this strange anomaly? Like, why am I so bizarre? (laughs) Simply because we haven't learned very much and it's still pretty taboo and we need more conversations and not everyone needs to do so super publicly. That's why I think, I think it's a personal journey and certainly my own journey was very personal and private before I shared it with the world and none of our needs to ever do that. But I do think that once we realize that, Oh, I'm actually not broken. There's nothing shameful about this. And other people not only go through this, but it's actually what we think is going to be, um, some sort of flaw, some challenge that we have that's that's 
insurmountable seemingly can turn out to be kind of a superpower and we go, whoa, <laughs> it's actually awesome. But I, I dig that. That's not weird. That's just who I am. Now, now, before we get into some of Carol's favorite parts of the book, and one of them I know is all about oral sex, uh, we mm-hmm. have a mutual friend. You've introduced us to Dr. Megan Fleming. She's on your podcast. Tell us, uh, she was just on our show about uh, three or four weeks ago. Tell us a little bit about how Megan contributed to your book. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Let's, so shout out, let, let's shout out to Megan first. Hi, Megan. How are you? Megan's fr- Hi, Megan. Hi, yeah, I'm so grateful continually for for Dr. Megan and what she brings to Girl Boner. And we've developed a friendship as well through the process. And in every way, she just, she is so compassionate and so wise and experienced and brings the clinical perspective to, you know, Girl Boner Radio, where she answers a listener's question. But for the book, she wrote the foreword, which meant so much to me because she has been such a special uh, person in this whole journey and she actually introduced me to you two so I have her to thank for that as well now one of the things that uh, I found also is that this whole sexual or d- sexual discovery and sexual exploration which you lay out in a very very nice way that it's it's fun it's necessary it's great we all kind of start in the same place and some of us like David and myself who have gone very far into the swinging lifestyle and we are very much explored and maybe evolved but everybody has started at the beginning so I love the way you invited everybody to no matter where you start from you can still continue your journey of exploring and discovering Discovering your own sexuality and it doesn't end by the way we've been doing it for many many more years than you because we're older and therefore it does not end we continually learn more things about ourselves all the time that is so true it is such a journey that's that's one of the key takeaways for me in this process that I've learned is that sexual empowerment is not a destination it is a whole beautiful diverse journey that we can commit to and, and gain so much from if we simply open up to it and and say, you know, I'm, I'm curious about this. I feel like curiosity plays a really big role in, in this and just allowing ourselves to ask those questions and to get to know ourselves and to know that the journey is going to change. We are going to change. Our desires are going to change. And, I mean, I didn't even masturbate till I was 30 uh, and I know I wrote about that in the book so Carol you're familiar but I considered myself a sexual person I enjoyed sex it was orgasmic for me it, a lot of us don't necessarily you know we think everybody else besides us has well. this I got to tell you, that's one, that's one of the things that we actually have in common. I only actually started masturbating probably mid-30s, and I got my first sex toy when I was in my 40s. So, yeah, and I was a very sexual person, and I still am today, of course. However, I just had no idea that I was missing something until I actually tried it. And then you started squirting, like, at <laughs> yes. what? 45, yeah. something like yeah. that. So, you know, <laughs> things evolve. And you you keep learning your body and different partners. And, well, I had something to do with her learning how to squirt, <laughs> but I will, we'll let you girls talk for the time being. Yeah, that's what makes it. So, just like you, I had not even started masturbating until I was in my 30s. Mm-hmm. So, we're kind of soul sisters in that way I think. <laughs> yeah but we don't let that stop us now that's for sure now you didn't I, you didn't start learning about oral sex in your 30s you started that real real young mm-hmm. um what about the um august the section in your book where you really get into talking about oral sex i really enjoyed writing that chapter and interviewing experts for it um i think 
there are, again, there's so many myths and stereotypes around pretty much all aspects of sex and sexuality. And so there is the wanting to normalize however you experience oral sex, if you enjoy it, if you don't. But I think there's not a lot of deep dive conversations about it. And so I wanted to go into some really technical things, you know, how can you make it hotter, but also what if you don't enjoy it and that's not your thing? Or what if your partner doesn't quite know what to do, you know? And so those kinds of questions I think are the ones that we might not feel really comfortable talking about perhaps to a partner. So having a space to kind of ask yourself, go, do I like this? Do I not like this? Because I personally have found that a lot of people think that all people with vulvas love oral sex and it's their favorite thing. And it is not my number one favorite thing. So that alone, I thought, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only one. So we, we dug into some of that. And I thought it was cool because really when you're having sex for the first time, I'm talking about inexperienced people and things are far away from where your your face is, so to speak. But when you get up close and personal to somebody else's private parts, and when you're that age, that's kind of how you're looking at it, things look a whole lot different. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what's a bit scary. And so I really loved how you laid it out, especially first with the anatomy. And then when you talked about the oral sex, which of course, we actually love oral sex. And we, you know, we never have sex without having oral sex. But there are people who are just don't know, they don't know what they don't know. And therefore, your book can certainly help them guide them if it's their first time or they're not really sure on what to do next. Mm. Yeah, I hope so. And certainly one thing that I've learned is one reason that quite a few women don't think they enjoy oral sex is because they are ashamed of their genital region. Mm-hmm. They think they smell funny. They think they look funny. And I really want everyone who feels that way to know there's nothing wrong with you. You are beautiful. However you smell is great. However you look is great. And, and then you can decide. I mean, I, I wouldn't want anybody to do anything they're not comfortable with for sure. But I think that sometimes we don't even realize we have shame around something until someone asks us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love oral sex so much that I've become a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Do you have a T-shirt? I can see you wearing a T-shirt. <laughs> Just my sense of humor here. So, August, tell us what was your favorite part of the book? Oh, gosh. That's so hard to say. One thing that really stands out to me is the stories in the gender and orientation chapter and also the religion chapter bringing those voices to light and and also interviewing these incredible people. The religion chapter is really interesting to me because when I was exploring my own sexuality early on and trying to understand, you know, why I hadn't been empowered and wanting to read books, a lot of the texts that I found were really shame-inducing and a lot of them had sort of Christian elements to them and I want people to know that they can be Christian and embrace their sexuality, they can be Muslim and embrace their sexuality, they can be Jewish and embrace their sexuality, so it was really fun to talk to these experts who, you know, a sex-positive pastor and uh, a Jewish sex therapist who work in these communities and practice these faiths and go, you know what, your faith and your girl boner can be like BFF, it can be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Just love it. Now, on uh, every chapter, basically, you you 
guide someone on how to uh, do the journaling that goes with the sec- section, but you also have your book coming out. So just tell us a little bit about why it's so important and why you really believe that journaling can help somebody become more sexually empowered. I really think that journaling taps into a place within us that almost nothing can. There's something really powerful that happens when you free write. And I share a story at the beginning of the journal about my own experience. And this wasn't a sexual experience per se. It was a relationship that I was in. And I couldn't figure out why I was in this funk. And I would wake up and I've been reading Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, and she recommends free writing in the morning. Just, I call it brain vomit. She's much more eloquent. But basically, <laughs> let whatever's in your head out onto the page. And I was dumbfounded by what would come out. Before the day set in, I was kind of in that half-awake state, and I wasn't guarded, and I wasn't worried. And I think a lot of women in particular, we are socialized to be so kind of, quote, nice and polite and think about other people's feelings so much so, sometimes more than our own, that we can put up blocks and not allow ourselves to face these realities. And I was in a relationship I was not happy in at all, and it wasn't a healthy one. And journaling helped me see that and really allowed me to get on the path to where I am today. So I've experienced it personally, and I've heard from many people who say that journaling is a way to express themselves without that sort of critical eye. We, we just get so concerned that someone's going to judge us, but if you know that no one's ever going to read it, you can even throw the pages away afterwards if you want to. But giving yourself that freedom to just let it out and to see what comes up, it's kind of exciting. It's, it's sort of almost a form of, of hypnosis. I wouldn't call it that quite, but it does tap into your subconscious. And I think that from a sexuality standpoint, that's huge because as, as you both know so well, there's so much that lies beneath the surface when it comes to our sexuality and if we absorb these societal messages that we're not supposed to go there it can be really stifling now when you do the journaling specifically on topics that are sex oriented or is it's whatever just comes out of your brain yeah it's what it's totally up to you the journal is a guided journal and the prompts in the book are also thematic but i tried to give options so that whichever question resonates with you, you could just go with it but if you're answer leads in a completely different direction, that, that's great. Um, but they are topical. So, for example, if you're going through heartache, you can go to a section of the journal that's about that, that the questions might help you dig in. Because I think the toughest questions to ask ourselves are often the most important to answer. So I try to bring those up so that the reader, the, the journaler, doesn't have to do that part of the labor. Beautiful. All right, August, we're going to ask you to hang on for a second. We'll remind everybody this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carolyn David, and today we're talking with author, radio show host, August McLaughlin, about her new books, Girl Boner. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about sexual empowerment and then get into our sexy myth-busting game. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a short break from our Throws of Passion waterproof sex blanket. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. 
Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throws of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking about female empowerment and sexual pleasure with August McLaughlin, world-renowned author and talk show radio host. So August, when we think about sex toys and masturbation, and especially after reading your book, I know that it was a very, very big part of your sexual empowerment journey. I'd like you to get a little bit personal and tell us how that all came about. Mm, it was so transformative. I, I was home alone. My husband was off working. He'd been married for maybe a year. And I felt this sort of emptiness and I couldn't quite place it. I, I felt sort of melancholy, really happy with my relationship. On the surface, everything seemed fine, but I had been alone kind of a lot. My husband was on a, a job where he was working long hours and I started to sort of pine for him and that felt really uncomfortable not because I didn't love him or I don't love him but because that feeling that neediness felt really weird to me and I thought he's fine but he's on his own but wh- why am I feeling this weird feeling this like Bridget Jonesy type feeling and I was horny yeah. um you just didn't it know took it me a little bit to realize that <laughs> but I was watching <laughs> I was like flipping through the tv and I saw a very 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 sexy show and at this point in my life, 30 years old, had never masturbated. And I was used to being, when I was in a relationship or when I was single and just kind of having casual sex whenever I felt like it, I, I just didn't see a need for masturbation. And so it, I thought, I had believed that it wasn't an important thing to me. And I ended up feeling so full of desire that I raced to this cupboard and I pulled out this dildo toy that we had gotten as this joke wedding gift. And I masturbated for the first time. There was a mirror on the wall next to me and I, I caught a glimpse of myself in this pure state of arousal. And I cried. I was so moved by the fact that I was literally making love with myself. And it was something that I had never done. And that opened up this huge, it was beautiful. And it also opened up these questions. You know, why haven't I done this before? It was so powerful. Well, I just got goosebumps you telling that story. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Now, I just got to ask you, how long did you masturbate for? Was it, um, you know, minutes or a half an hour? Or were you, were you done right away? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, it probably, if I had to guess, was maybe maybe 10 to 15 minutes. It wasn't 
it wasn't a long time, but it wasn't instant. It took me a little bit to figure out what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I got on top of a pillow, you know, and I had to figure out kind of how to move. And what I did was I just imagined I was making love to my husband. And then I just also had this whole new layer of arousal because I thought of him knowing I was doing this and how happy he would be. And he was when I told him about it later, by the way. (laughs) But uh, it just was such a powerful thing. I, I would say it was probably, but if you add in, my kind of quote foreplay uh, beforehand, then it was longer because I had this building desire. And once I embraced it, it didn't take, didn't take long. Now, I know you said you got a glimpse of yourself doing it. Now, did you actually masturbate in front of the mirror or was it just a glimpse and you focused by yourself kind of on your own? I caught a glimpse. And because of that glimpse, I, I did look again a bit. Um, It was, I was not facing it. I was kind of profiled to it. It's on this kind of closet uh, next to the bed. And I did look at it again after because I just was having that moment of, oh my gosh, who am I? It was that profound. And once the orgasm was taking over, you know, you just completely, I wasn't looking at anything. Right, <laughs> yes. Just, I was body. Um, but certainly I did see a beauty in that, in me, in that person, um, which was really remarkable because as you know, as we talked about in the last episode together, I went through a really severe eating disorder and I had come a long way since then, no pun intended, but I had come a long way. And even so, to love my body that much while looking at it was very, very powerful because what I had done was learn to kind of not care what I looked like. And what I saw in the mirror had nothing to do with shape or size or any sort of aesthetic. I saw passion and I saw beauty in this very natural way. Um, I saw the blood rushing to my skin and I could see the swelling of my lips and things like that. It was just, it was really magical, I would say, and something that I very quickly realized how different my life would have been had I been doing that earlier. I don't regret it because it's been my journey, but but I really do think there have been so many challenges because of not connecting with myself in that way. Now, once you had that amazing experience and you really started discovering yourself, how has that changed over the years, how you have had better sex, not just masturbating yourself, but in relationships as well? Mm. That's a great question. It has become a, a beautiful catalyst for additional growth personally within relationships, all of it, because what it showed me was I saw my sexuality as something I could only share with another person. And to have that sort of autonomy within myself and go, wow, because whenever you are the more strong and complete you are as an individual, nobody's perfect, of course, but when you are strong and and whole on your own, which I believe we all intrinsically are, when we embrace that, we bring so much more to relationships. And one thing that happened immediately was I, that lonely feeling I had been feeling that I would feel every now and then 
I could take care of that myself because I realized, oh my gosh, all those times, it would have been so medicinal for me to get off, for me to connect with myself and to have that experience. So I think early on in my life, like looking back, it would have kept me out of some toxic relationships because there were times when I should have just either masturbated or, you know, at least not had a relationship. But because of that, quote, good girl me, I grew up believing that if I had sex with someone, I had to at least have the intention of marrying them or (laughs) be open to it, you know. Um, And so I would be thinking, oh, I'm going to be so single. I'm so strong. I don't need a relationship. I need to focus on myself. And then the hormones take over, the girl boner takes over, and I'm in a relationship when really it should have either been sex or masturbation. But it took me a while to get that. Isn't it cool how you look back on one of these, you know, eye-opening experiences and you say, wow, you know, if that hadn't happened, where would I be today? I mean, you're, you're such a, a, a listen-to podcaster. You have this brand new book um, that you have coming out. And, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm saying, you know, if you didn't have that self-discovery experience, we might not be talking to you today. That was one of those life-changing moments. It really was, yes. And because of that, I'm so grateful for the journey. And that's another gift that those epiphanies, that that first time masturbating gave me, was so much meaning in my life and knowing that every challenge I've had could actually be really helpful because it could turn into this fuel and kind of fodder and starting point for digging deeper and and attempting to, you know, make some sort of positive impact to create a space for, for those kinds of conversations. So I can't imagine my life without Girl Boner, and I don't know that I would have it without, <laughs> without that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one of the things you do talk about to make sure you're going to have some great sex with your partner is sleep and why sleep is so important for sexual wellness and pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, sleep is so important. And even saying that now, I'm like laughing at myself. My little inner child is like, I can't believe you just said that because (laughs) I sleep has never been my strong suit. And even as a child, I didn't really nap. It took me a long time. It's another one of those journeys that that I had to grow through. But sleep is so important for our mood, for our energy, for our circulation, for all of the things that make sex so pleasurable and allow for desire and allow for even confidence. I know that if I don't sleep much, I feel like I look completely different, mm-hmm. even if I don't. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's something very strange that, that happens. And we have an epidemic of sleep loss in our yeah. society. Yes. CDC considers it an epidemic. Um, it's so dangerous. It's as dangerous as um, potentially as intoxicated driving being sleep deprived and driving. And I, I really do think it stands in the way so often of, of our sex and sexuality. And it's a, it's a challenge and we have so much going on, but if we can just take steps toward that, it's incredible what can happen. We get much more aroused. We are able to connect with our true desires and, and even have the energy who can, who wants to have sex when they have been, you know, when you're completely, utterly exhausted every once in a while, I think that's really hot. But in general, that's usually not the state when all the boners are thriving. Right. And let's talk two seconds about the effects of 
tech and smartphones and TVs and tablets and all that stuff that's really attached to us like a bungee cord and we can't get away from it. You know, so many people take it to bed and the first, last thing they do before they go to bed is they check their phone. The first thing they do when they wake up the morning in the morning, they check their phone, they keep their ringers on. How does that affect sleep and sexual well-being? Oh, that's a great question and topic. I think it has a huge impact. Certainly, the bright lights, staring, if you're looking into bright lights right before you go to sleep, it may be harder to sleep. Um, and I think also just from a distraction standpoint, if, if that is the first place you go to, if you're always side by side with your partner or partners and no one's looking at each other, you lose, you lose some intimacy. I think it's really important to have boundaries. I love technology. I think our smartphones can bring a lot of awesomeness. Our computers can be great. Social media is awesome. But it's incredible what happens when we, when we take those even small steps. I used to check my phone first thing I, before I got out of bed, you know, just like open my eyes, check my phone. And then one time I was on vacation, actually it was the only cruise I've ever been on, not as sexy as yours, but <laughs> I did go on a cruise and I did not have any internet access and my phone didn't work. And so after days of, of no kind of tech life, it was very surreal to go back to it. And I realized that when I wake up on vacation, I want to sit and watch the sunrise or I want to sip tea or I want to stretch or, or maybe make love or connect with my partner in some way. There's so many beautiful things to do first thing. And I thought that's, that's not something that's dependent on being on vacation. I can do that on my own. And so now I, most days, give that to myself, uh, whether it's sitting outside and just getting fresh air or, or even just being like, I'm not going to look at my phone until after breakfast, you know, something where you can, because I think it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Oh, that's so nice. And actually on Facebook last week or, or recently anyways, I, I saw a survey that was taken saying that it like half of people who um, are having sex will look at their phone if it rings or, or will actually answer it oh during sex during sex come on <laughs> or at least look at a text yeah it was crazy i said I what during sex you're looking at your phone if you hear it bleep wow that's pretty bad news oh my goodness yeah i feel like if, if anyone's in that scenario i would really recommend putting the phone in another room for a while <laughs> so, yeah that's I mean, good advice if you're addicted to that thing that's for sure i think so i think so you deserve it now, I know you started this whole journey with that sex toy, which I'm sure now you're really happy that your girlfriends bought you that uh, that gag gift. Um, so tell us what your favorite masturbating toy is. You know what's funny? Dildos are still my favorite sex toy. I, uh, I have this purple body face dildo. It's kind of my go-to favorite. I have, I have quite a few toys, and I enjoy the variety, too. So sometimes when people ask me my favorite, I just say, it's the one I'm using at the time because yeah. it's fun to try different things. I, I think cough rings are fun. Vibrators are fun, but, you know, I did not take to them at first. Um, it took me a while to, to really enjoy them. And now what I love the ones that have the really low settings that you can – kind of gradually work your way up, but I, I have more sensation internally. And so I really like the, the internal toys. And when they have the external kind of clitoral stimulation as well, that can be really fun too. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. now th- there's men out there who believe that if a woman has a sex toy that they are not, you know, like needed, 
Personally, I love when we bring sex toys into our couple. Um, Carol's, one of her favorites is the womanizer, and she uses it after we finish fucking and after she's had an orgasm together with me she gives me a break my refractory period and you know is getting a little longer longer as we get older but you know while she's playing with the womanizer she might be sucking my cock or i'm playing with her tits and it keeps the um session going on a little bit longer and sometimes we actually have round two that is awesome and also by the way i just featured the the womanizer uh and it is it is a really cool toy. It's, I tried the travel one. It's really awesome. Well, if you like uh, internal stimulation, you would probably like the inside out. There's one version that has a vibrating uh, uh, G-spot stimulator at the same time as oh, the sucky okay. clits thing. Yeah, I'll send you the okay, picture. Well, it's called the that. inside out. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll have to try that. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate what you mentioned, David, about toys not representing replacing a partner that you enjoy it and that you too enjoy bringing toys in. And I think that's, that's such an important point. You're never having sex or having sexual relations with a toy, right? right. Like it's not actually, it, it's something to enhance. And I think that's a really important thing to, to keep in mind is that they're for, for everybody involved. They can, they can, allow for almost like a threesome in some ways, but it's not an actual person. It's just adding another accessory or another adventure. And just to, it's really fun too, if you've been in a relationship for quite a while, you can have continual new experiences by, by simply trying a different toy. And you know, Guys, I'm going to talk to you out there. There are lots of, August mentioned cock rings before, there's lots of great couples toys or guy toys that enhances the male experience as well. It's not always about a woman putting something in her pussy or on her clit or up her butt. It's okay for the guy to have that stimulation as well. And, um, you know, the woman experiences the vibration or the sensation coming from the guy's cock. Yeah, that's so true. I I learned fairly recently that, you know, a lot of, People with penises actually enjoy vibration too. You know, there's so Absolutely. many different things to enjoy. And there's that whole experiencing someone else's pleasure by simply being there to observe it is so awesome. You know, masturbating in front of each other, beside each other with toys. It's that, so cool. It, it feels, I think, like you're actually feeling that person's pleasure because it is such a turn on to see your partner turned on and we vice do it, versa. We, we do it all the time. And making those fantasies which you rely on uh, later when another session or when another time and bring back those fantasies of what you did and when you did it with a nice discussion or imagining you're there or imagining something else, that really makes it health, uh, very happy and healthy as well. Absolutely, yeah. All right, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with August McLaughlin about the female body and sexual pleasure. Up next is our sexy myth-busting game right after this. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. 
It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throws of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with August McLaughlin, author of her new book, Girl Boner, where good girls go for sexual empowerment. And now it's time for our sexy myth busting game. Each show, we invite our sexpert guests to bust a few sexy fun myths that helps us filter through some of that misinformation that we find out there on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex and sexuality. So let's get started. And David, I think you had a great idea. I'm going to start with one of the pages in her book, in uh, August. Yeah, August book. has a whole section about uh, myths. Well, actually not a section, but lots of uh, pieces in the book talking about myths. So let's go. Well, I'm going to go to my favorite section, which is all about oral sex, and I'm going to put together some of those myths. How can your favorite section be oral sex when my favorite section is oral sex? Darn, don't you And we both like happens? giving it to each other. That's why we're always smiling. <laughs> okay, here's one of August. This is one of August myths. I think that's your love language. <laughs> it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, here's one. We're, with regard to oral sex, all women love receiving it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. Again, that's, I feel like that's something that I've heard. I've actually, several guys that I have been in relationships with or had sex with have have assumed that that's all I wanted. I thought that's so interesting, you know. Um, there are some people that that is their mainstay. You know, you two engage in it pretty much every time you have sex with them, which is yes. beautiful. I like it more as an occasional thing. So not assuming is really important. And, and again, and for all different reasons, people may just have a preference for something else or there could be some self-consciousness, which is also nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, absolutely. How about this one? Men don't enjoy giving it. <laughs> yeah, right? Myth. I David should speak to that one. <laughs> I love eating pussy, I gotta tell you. it's one. I can go down there for hours, but I, you know there are guys who don't, and you know, August was talking about aromas and tastes and flavors and stuff like that and I can understand how some guys you know aren't into it but then I guess you know they can't get upset if a woman doesn't want to suck his cock that's right he won't get to enjoy the pleasure either Mm -hmm. it's a really really good point and I interviewed uh, Ian Kerner for that section of the book he wrote she comes first it's a book almost exclusively about cunnilingus and he is a sex therapist and he said that he sees more women in his office who are uncomfortable with oral sex than he sees men who don't like giving it. But he also really believes that a lot of men haven't learned much about it. And so understanding the clitoris, understanding what he calls outer course, you know, all of the sexy things that, for example, making out, kissing really intensely stimulates the internal clitoris. Like, how cool is that? I'm talking about kissing the lips on your face. Yeah. yeah. That is amazing. Um, so there's all these beautiful ways to make it really exciting. And and working together, you know, with your partner, I think in some ways 
whether it's working to show like yours or, or reading a book like Girl Boner, it gives you something to say, hey, babe, what do you think about this? So that you don't have to be like, okay, so I feel like we need to talk about oral sex. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit stifling. And, you know, in our last section, we, a segment, we were talking about uh, masturbation and self-pleasuring. And why don't you just go, and we'll go off topic for a second here, about how important it is for women and men to both understand that self-pleasuring is them learning about their bodies. And maybe a woman doesn't like oral sex because the guy or guys who have gone down on her didn't know what stimulated her. However, if she knew what was her, making her, her trigger feel point, good... Yeah she would feel better, but if she's not telling the guy or the girl going down on her, then it's never going to get better. How important is it for self-pleasuring and, and communicating that to your partners? Mm, so important. I think it's the best way to learn because you can read all the anatomy books in the world, but you are unique and your turn-ons are unique and your body is unique and your vulva is unique and your labia, all the different parts. And there's a fear of, the kind of unknown because so many of us just never kind of looked quote down there. We were told not to, that it's not something we're supposed to really think about or look at, or we're scared to look inside. And I really think that masturbation is a powerful way to understand your body and then be able to very confidently and lovingly and compassionately say to a partner or show a partner, you know, this is where I feel really good. I think that is so powerful. It's, it's not only really effective, but it is so sexy when you can do that. Absolutely. And, and on, on the guy side, you know, um, I masturbate much differently than how Carol gives me head or, or a hand job. And sometimes, you know, a woman goes down on a guy and he has a hard cock and then all of a sudden it's not hard because she's not doing what he likes or what keeps it wet or what keeps it hard. And if the guy is just going to lie there and let her suck a soft cock instead of saying you know why don't you slow it down or use two hands or use more lube or use lube to start with um she's gonna say well you know i'm doing this and i'm not turning him on and the whole sexual experience just goes downhill and all he had to say was you know can you do it a little bit different can you Faster, play with my balls slower. can you tickle my yes. perineum yeah you know just do things a little bit differently play with my nipples and that erection will come back because you as a guy you know what you like yes that is so true and i think doing your best to bring it up in a non-confrontational way so that it doesn't feel or sound like you're complaining, right? right? So how you were saying, a light suggestion is great. Usually we want that kind of guidance. You can also make it really positive by saying, you know what, I love it when you lick right here. Or I really love it when you slow down. Or could you try this? It sounds exciting. You know, really and mean it, you know, genuinely have fun with it. Because I think sometimes when we don't ever talk about these things, we can build up resentment. And then we're just thinking, I can't believe he doesn't do this. And I can't believe he's doing that again. And it's like, well, if you never had the conversation, it's, that's not really fair. So, so really doing that and, and making it question-based too. Like maybe if you've not had the conversation, also ask your partner, hey, what, how do you like it? Like, do you like it when I go slower? Or, you know, I... I just think all these conversations can be so spicy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even in the heat of the moment, you know, most of the time you go over a spot or a place or a speed that is good. So, you know, if someone's sucking my cock and it feels good, it's like, oh, that's amazing. Stay right there. Just by using those positive words instead of saying, oh, no, don't do that or that hurts makes all the difference in the world where you keep it positive and then 
Carol and I always have the replay after we have sex and we go back and say, you know, I really liked when you did that or that was cool. Where'd you learn that? And, you know, she'll say, well, I was listening to August podcast <laughs> and I learned something new today. <laughs> well, I always learn something new from August. That's for sure. <laughs> that's so sweet. And that is so adorable that you do like a recap. That is amazing. I love that. And, you know, we have sex a lot and we do the recap every friggin' time. We just love it. <laughs> Especially after orgies where we have, you know, we love foursomes and morsomes and we come out because we don't both see everything that goes on. And I say, did you see that? She was amazing. And then that position. And she's like, oh, let, next time, let's try that and do it. Yeah. So that, that's, we love it. that's the common, the communication and what makes um, our sex life much better, where we always have that replay and we learn from every experience. Oh, my gosh. I hope you record those replays for yourselves because that would be an amazing amazing log to go back through that's true right yeah it would be 100 volumes by now just believe me (laughs) (laughs) all right i got a myth for you orgasms make women fall in love and it's all hormonal oh my goodness i've heard something like this so many times and that's not true i mean we're all hormonal beings and nobody ever says that about guys you know right so interesting (laughs) yeah it's like yeah we there is there's often a seed of truth that's just been kind of twisted around in these in these kinds of ideas. And I do think, you know, hormones do play a role in love for sure. You know, when you're in love with someone, you do have dopamine spikes and all of that. And when you're falling in love, it's very intoxicating because of the hormone kind of mixture that's going on. But it doesn't make you fall in love with a person. Falling in love is also intellectual and um it is something that builds over time you can have an inkling and and go i think i was falling for you at first sight but but really love is about intimacy and it's great to have purely hormone-based sex you know um but i think it's really damaging when we hear that idea about women because it's that whole idea of oh Every time I have sex, I'm giving away a part of my heart. You know, that's something that I had heard early on. And it's it's just not true. Your heart is your heart. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Keep it separate. That's the truth. Okay, I've got one more here about orgasms. And um, let's hear this one. Women have orgasms less frequently than men do. Mm. You know, it's so individual for everyone. Women are much more likely to have multiple orgasms for one thing. And also statistically tend to orgasm pretty much every time through masturbation, which again, I think says a lot, but the statistics we have about how often people orgasm are self-reported and women have been taught to under-report sex and men have been encouraged to over-report sex. Uh, So I just don't think it's a gender thing. No, not at all. It's just everyone's different. So I think that's great, great, great advice. All right, I have one. Oh, good. So the next best place besides the Sexy Lifestyle and Girl Boner podcast to learn about sex is pornography. Mm. Man, that's a really juicy and good one. And what's interesting about it is even though it is not the best place to learn about sex, it's not meant to be educational. There's, there are a few examples that are but 99% is not meant to be anything educational, but it's what a lot of people turn to and it's almost the only resource they feel they have. And so if we are always looking to perform sex that is meant for the screen and that's meant to be arousing, and if you love it, that's, that's great. But it, 
it does not, you can't replicate that in your own life. And actually you can lose a lot because if you notice porn, you don't get a lot of clitor- clitoral stimulation, yeah, right? Very little, because yeah. everyone's facing the camera. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know about it too, but I don't want the clitoris to be ignored. Yeah. And also, as long as everyone's talking about, I mean, watching porn is just fine, but if you talk about it and you understand that it is entertainment, period, and that, yes, we look at it, we get some ideas of what kind of positions you might like to try for fun, just to see how far you could go. I mean, you know how many times David has tried to suck his own cock? He just can't reach it. No matter how many times he tries, it just doesn't work. (laughs) So therefore, there's lots of things you can try and have fun with, but just know that porn on TV is entertainment. Completely. You know what it reminds me of is uh, those cooking shows where yeah. there's all this food everywhere and normally it would take you an hour to make it. And it takes them two seconds and then they pull out a gourmet dish. Beautiful. That's because someone made it in advance, right? You would make it. It's the same kind of thing. It's, it's just meant to be entertainment. It's a fantasy. Perfect. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great way to end this part of the show. August, uh, thank you so much for your amazing myth-busting skills. And if everybody wants to know uh, more about uh, myth-busting, they should go uh, read her book, uh, Girl Boner. We're going to talk a little bit more about it when we come back. Uh, Let's remind everyone, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with August McLaughlin about the female body and sexual pleasure. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to come back with our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Great Sex Matters segment of The Sexy Lifestyle is sponsored by the STC Cuban Cruise, December 4 to 11, 2018. Join us as we explore a truly unique corner of the world. Starting in Miami, we'll embark on this larger-than-life adventure together, sipping daiquiris in Hemingway's hometown of Key West, before we open the door of the soul of Cuba, where we'll enjoy spicy Caribbean rhythms, vintage cars, and untouched beaches, and so much more. Absolutely. And then we're going to continue on to NASA and the Bahamas and the private island of Coco Cay. We'll get to the experience of STC's famous phone parties, deck parties, erotic live shows, sexy theme parties, and of course, their amazing sensual playrooms and so much more. And best of all, we'll simply savor all those amazing couples that STC has to offer. And for more information about the Cuban Cruise, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com. And we're going to be on the Cuban Cruise. We were with STC last year on their Caribbean Dreams Cruise, and it was definitely a trip not to miss. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with August McLaughlin, author of the book girl boner and now for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because great sex matters and we all deserve it so this part of the show august i'd like to get into sexual desire and arousal how about if we start with how you describe sexual desire i have a feeling it's something to do with how you felt when you first started that's masturbator mm-hmm very much so. You know, I think of sexual desire as so much more than wanting to have sex. I think of it as sexual energy. And I think it's something that we all have unless we are asexual. We are, it's innate in us. And it is something that 
can fuel beautiful sexual experiences um, and also just allow us to live more authentically. I think that when we embrace our desires rather than shame or try to hide them, we flourish in all life areas. So now, how about going into the difference between desire and arousal? That is such a great question. I see desire as much more emotional and intellectual, even spiritual. And I see arousal as much more physical. So you could be totally physically turned on. You could have a raging girl boner or boy boner or any kind of boner, but not wish to have sex with somebody. And that is absolutely valid and wonderful. And you should absolutely have that respected and people should respect that. Um, but you can also have really intense desire and not yet feel physically aroused. And the beauty in that is it's the beginning. You know, the desire can fuel the arousal and vice versa. And Sometimes vice versa. Exactly. Know? So, yeah. Now, I love that you point out a lot to, uh, to women in your book. It's really geared for young girls to come and, and learn from you. Um, but it's one of those things that unfortunately most women don't think is true is that they, it's okay to have a strong, healthy sexual drive and sexual desire, and that you just yeah. have to give yourself permission to go with it and accept it and enjoy it. Mm, yes, 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 it is. It absolutely is. We still have this idea that a strong, hearty sex drive in a woman is somehow, quote, bloody, when in fact, it's beautiful. It's also totally fine to not have, desire sex very often. I mean, I, I don't see high sex drive as, frequency. I think it's simply connecting with our authentic sexuality and there is no normal within that. Um, but I have found that people who have a high sex drive and who identify as female tend to feel like they are somehow quote whorish. I mean, I hate to even say that word. Right. It's like it's so negative and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it's the same way that we shame our appetites for food. We have this idea that we have to be really small and quiet and not have too much pleasure to be a strong and beautiful woman and it's just not true and having that great sex drive is uh, for those that do have it I mean to enjoy it and to embrace it and to go with it not to try and hide it and think there's something wrong with it yeah absolutely and really when we try to suppress something it only festers and that's a negative word. Obviously, if you let it flourish, that's great. But when it festers, I feel like it becomes this source of shame inside and it breeds more negativity and you feel really not good about yourself. And you also don't even realize how much that's affecting the rest of your life. When I embraced my sexuality and I started masturbating and I was like, wow, this is just who I am. I had better friendships. I could stand up for myself in work situation more easily. Um, I slept better, you know, it's beautiful how it all goes together. Yeah, absolutely. When you encourage sexual empowerment, do you think that those people will have better arousal and better desire? Better orgasms. And better orgasms that go with that? Yeah, 100%, 100%. It's so incredible what can happen when you do grow in your sexuality and embrace your authentic sexuality and I like to see the changes in arousal and orgasm and pleasure as these beautiful byproducts 
often that leads people to want to start the work, which is great, but it doesn't need to be forced. That doesn't really work, right? Like if we're stressed and we're like, I need to orgasm, <laughs> that's yeah. not really yeah. the best thing. But if you just go, huh, I'm going to learn about this. I just want to understand myself better. And the more you understand yourself, it just naturally happens. Did you find that, Carol? Did yeah. you? Yes. And one of the things, sorry, one of the things that happens when you get older is that desire, um, I'm not going to say it fades, but you kind of have to work on it a little bit more. So between desire and arousal, we just have to get our heads around it and then embrace it and say, yes, this is what I need to do right now. I need to have that Mm -hmm. orgasm. It's going to make me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Because also you brought up such a brilliant point, which is that sometimes the desire is for desire, right? Like you want to feel turned on and you don't yet want to. Like your body and your emotions are both like, oh, I kind of just want to watch TV and go to sleep. But you kind of wish that you wanted to have sex. And that's when kind of responsive model of desire can be helpful. And you just start going, what, what might be kind of enticing right now? Well, well, sometimes I help and, well, I, and I start massaging her back yeah. and her shoulders and her feet. Nothing sexual, but just, you know, she knows I'm there. She know, feels the love coming through my hands. Sometimes it's a passionate kiss, a hug, playing with her hair, taking a shower together. And sometimes it just takes that to get all that busyness out of her brain and to say, hey, it's okay for me to feel desire now and to get a little aroused. And as we get older, you know, I have to remember that. And, you know, I'm like on all the time. I could have sex eight times a day, but we have to find that happy medium between Carol and myself where it's good for both of us. Absolutely. And that's so key is that every couple, every relationship, nobody's going to have the exact identical you know, kind of any, any more than you would all be hungry for food at the same time. Again, to use that comparison, it's, yeah. it's really important to find that, that middle ground and to know that you can find ways to, to really have a really pleasurable sex life that, that you both find really gratifying. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we've learned as time changes, uh, as your body changes over time, I meant to say, is that the anatomy of your orgasm also changes and that we have to be constantly aware that when you used to rub and pull and tug in a certain way that uh, caused your orgasm to happen, now you have to learn about what other ways can make it happen to make sure that that orgasm stays strong and healthy. So maybe, August, you can tell us a little bit about how understanding, you know, the anatomy um, helps improve the quality and strength and the frequency of orgasms. Absolutely. The more knowledge we have about our bodies, the better. And as you just mentioned, Carol, that can change, right? So even with your cycle, your menstrual cycle plays a big role. I know for me, there are times in the month when I feel pretty dry and other times when I feel very naturally lubricated. So just knowing that your, your anatomy is, first of all, everything is, is great. And if there is, a, is an actual problem, you know, getting some support around it. Mm-hmm. But what's beautiful is people who learn about the anatomy of orgasm who've never really considered it before often just learn something that unlocks so much pleasure because, you know, somebody might not actually understand where the clitoral hood is. You know, which is really common still. People don't quite know. It wasn't in medical books. The clitoris wasn't in medical books until very, very recently. I so know. it's so uh, crazy. It's, yeah, it, it is nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely nuts. It yeah. was like literally cut out of certain texts, like with the scissors. Um, 
So knowing that even I think can be empowering because you're like, oh, it's not that weird that I didn't understand my body. We're still working on this stuff as a whole society. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's time for some final advice, some parting advice for our listeners. What would you say are the top two things that a couple could do tonight even to make each other feel sexually desired? Mm, What a great question. Okay. So... One would be to write down your a sexual fantasy that you've had mm. that involves your partner and read it to your partner. It is so it is so sexy to write it down and it is so sexy to read it and it is so sexy to hear it. I mean, I dare anybody to do that and to not get incredibly turned on. I think that is really, really powerful. Well, I think not only turned on, but certainly having fun with it, which that to me sounds like a little f- very fun exercise that, you know, makes the whole situation a lot more entertaining. And how about if you wrote it down and left it in your partner's like lunch bag or, or computer bag mm-hmm. and they get to work and they read it? How cool would that be? The whole day they're going to think about it and they come home and you're waiting for them to play out that fantasy. Oh, my gosh. That is such a great idea. Absolutely. The sense of surprise and knowing that there's that anticipation that which fuels desire so much. And you know that your partner's thinking of you and went out of their way to do this sexual fantasy and give you that pleasure also makes you feel super desired by your partner. Yeah, absolutely. The second one, I would say, you know, this is so individual, so I don't know if other people feel this way. But I have noticed that intimate conversations, I'm not talking about sexy conversations. I just mean really pure conversations that go way below the surface are so big, especially when you have been going about your life and you're always talking about work and maybe you have kids and you're like, oh, I have to do this today and I'm stressed about this and I'm stressed about that. But going to a deeper level, talking about how you're feeling emotionally and, you know, what your, what your deepest yearnings are, like asking some of those really kind of soul questions. But again, I don't know if you guys feel this way too. I feel that that's like sharing a passionate idea. I definitely think that makes you feel passionate when you get right into yeah. the, the deeper topics in life exactly sharing the passion that you feel for something and uh, getting a response from your partner makes you feel like they're listening and doesn't it just get rid of all the crappy day-to-day stuff you're talking weather kids cars fix this do that and you're talking about stuff that's important to the two of you and it really declutters your brain about you know getting the traffic out and talking about yourself as a couple and maybe you're going to learn something new about each other every time you have this intimate conversation Absolutely. Excellent points. And I also think that asking a question about these things is such a powerful way to show that you really care about that person. And when we feel desired, it's so much more likely that we're going to feel turned on and, you know, safe and close and all of that stuff. It just, it goes to that deeper connection level and it doesn't need to be this big three hour long conversation, you know, simply even taking five minutes, one little addendum I would add as a possibility is uh, my friend Kate Scalisi, who is a 
sex educator out in New York City who's really brilliant and wonderful. She talks about these long hellos and long goodbyes and like having a, like a five minute hug, mm. you know, like there's something about that just slowing down and so intentionally connecting so that it's not like these little air kisses that you barely touch, you know, just taking, taking that time. So if you're having this close conversation and you're actually touching, I just think that that is such a powerful intimacy builder, whether it leads to sex or not, the next time you do have sex, it'll be even more orgasmic. No, absolutely. Actually, in the morning, most mornings, David wakes up, he's an early riser, he wakes up and goes downstairs. Luckily, he prepares the coffee and gets it all going. But when I come Mm -hmm. down, we start our day with a hug, we stop everything, we hug, like you just said, I don't know if it's for a full five minutes, but I can't start my day without my hug from David in the morning, then I have my Mm -hmm. coffee, and then we have our conversation after that. So I I get that uh, feeling that you get when you're heart to heart with the one you love. That's beautiful. I love that you do that. Mm-hmm. What a great way to end another amazing show. I mean, we can keep going on for hours and hours with August, and we'll reserve the right to have you come back again. Next time, it'll be on our new Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network, which is going to go live in September. But August, thanks so much for being here. Why don't you just take a minute to recap a little bit um, about your book, about your new book, Girl Boner, The Girl, Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment, where people can get it, and then where people can reach out to you. Mm, thank you both so much. So Girl Boner, The Good Girl's Guide to Sexual Empowerment, and Girl Boner Journal can be ordered on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, it's on Target.com. You can also pre-order a book or purchase a book at your local bookstore. And I love hearing from people. I answer questions from listeners every week on the show and I protect people's privacy. So people can find me at augustmclaughlin.com. That's M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N.com or girlboner.org and find Girl Boner Radio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And I would love to come back and I want you two to come to LA so I can have you in the studio. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to be out there um, after we um, get back from a couple of trips that we have coming up. Awesome. Yay. Let's count on it. So, you know, we're, as with uh, August today, we're learning more and more every week from all our fantastic sex expert guests, and we hope you do too. And remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. To find out more, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com radio show guest page to see all our amazing sex expert guests. Click on their link and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. August, thank you so much for being here. Thank you both. You're awesome. And thank you to all our listeners out there. We're uh, now hitting close to 400,000 listeners in 65 countries. And remember, you can also hear August on Girl Boner Radio. Go check her out. And remember to sign up on sdc.com if you're looking for an open-minded online community to meet other sexy people and find out where the events are happening near you. And they have an up, they've upgraded their website and bring you all the best content. Discover yourself through passionate exploration with other like-minded people to create erotic moments that will satisfy even the deepest curiosities. All that on sdc.com. Use promo code 30314 for your first month free. And boy, do we have some big trips coming up on 
October 14th to 21st, we're going to be in Puerto Vallarta with Luxury Lifestyle Vacations for an all-inclusive clothing optional full hotel hotel takeover. Then we'll be jumping right over to Jamaica for Young Swingers Week that starts October 20 to 27 at Hedonism 2 Resorts on and, the beautiful Negril Beach. And then, of course, we can't wait to get back with our friends from SDC who are going to be cruising to Cuba December 4th to 11th. Nothing beats this tropical cruise to explore places where yesterday lives today. And for more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Join us again next time for another sexy hour of The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 